0: The following is from Red Hill Baptist Church, where we exist to glorify God, grow more like Jesus, and go with the gospel. To find out more about our ministry, or to contact us, please visit redhillbaptist.org.
1: Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the
0: Word. If you would open again to the book of Philippians, uh, this time if you would go to the second chapter, Philippians chapter 2. And I want to read some words to you and I want to see how these words uh, strike you. These are some words I ran across this past week. Just see how these words set with you, alright? Western culture is unabashedly about self. We applaud those who are self-made That is, self-starters who self-promote and end up being self-sufficient. We're encouraged to have self-esteem, to engage in self-help, to be self-indulgent, and to take lots of selfies. No wonder we're so self-conscious, self-centered, and self-absorbed. Now, how do those words strike you? You said, well, that's a lot to even think about. The only thing I heard in there was a bunch of self, 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 self. That's a lot of self. In fact, can I just submit to you, it's too much self. And I, I just want to submit to you right up front that that's our problem most of the time. There's too much self. And today I want to talk with you about this subject, selfless living in a selfie world. Selfless living In a selfie word. Now, I must confess, perhaps you're wondering about all this. I announced that we're going to be having a series in the book of Philippians called Finding Joy. And here we are uh, in this series. And if you've been with us, you know we had a message a while back on death. For me to live as Christ and die as gain. Last week we had a, a, a lesson, a sermon on suffering. And that suffering is a gift of God. And now this week, your message is on selflessness and selfless living. Where's all the joy in all of that? Dying and suffering and selflessness. Well, I'm glad you asked that question. And I hope you'll stay with me and you'll get the answer, I pray. Tom Holliday wrote in, that in Philippians, joy can be found. Joy can be found in our lives where we often feel we lose joy. It can be found in our lives where we often feel that we lose joys. Uh, He mentioned eight specific areas. People, problems, potential, work, accomplishments, future, thoughts, and finances. And he said the difference between finding joy and losing joy is our choice. When you consider that, we're reminded that joy is not found somewhere else. It's to be found right where we live. Joy is to be found in the nitty-gritty of life, in the midst of living life. But to do so, we have to make some choices in life. And the choices that we're being called to today fly right into the face of what the world tells us to do. We live in a selfie world, and today we're called upon to be selfless. Let me show you what I'm talking about. I want to point out one verse in particular in Philippians 2, and it's verse number 3. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. The Bible says very plainly, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. That's the New King James Version. Let me give it to you in the NLT. It really just kind of puts it bluntly and really up in some modern language. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Now, that really doesn't sound very American, does it? I mean, we're taught to promote ourselves to exalt ourselves, to get our name out there, to get our name in lights, to get our name known by many people. But really, that might be an American calling, but it's not a God calling. It's not promoted in the Bible. In fact, the Bible teaches us that as followers of Jesus Christ, we're supposed to do the exact opposite. That is, we're not to be about (laughs) ourselves. In fact, it says, let nothing be done from selfish ambition. So I want to give you my thoughts under two headings today. And if all goes well, you might even get out early. No promises, but you might, you might get out early, all right? I want to give you two directives, two directives to have more joy in your life. Two directives to have more joy in your life coming straight from this verse, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. The first directive is this, watch out, watch out. Now, when you hear the words, watch out, it should snap you to attention, It should cause you to wake up, to be alert, to look around, to realize that some danger is headed your way. If you're walking along and somebody shouts, watch out, you're going to stop and look around and be alert and ready for whatever is coming towards you, for whatever potential danger that you may find yourself in, unbeknownst to you. And this is true with our first directive. That is, there are two dangers that we need to watch out for in our lives as believers, and they're mentioned clearly in this verse, we're to watch out for selfish ambition and we're to watch out for conceit. Now, let's talk about them individually. Notice Paul starts out by saying, let nothing be done. Let no thing be done. I mean, that pretty much covers everything. There are no exceptions. Uh, there's no place we say, well, I can do this. No, he says "Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. Well, let's talk about selfish ambition. What is selfish ambition? Well, it's a strong drive for personal success regardless of the cost. It's having a competitive spirit about you. It's a drive to be number one, to beat everybody else. No matter what, I've got to be on top. I've got to be number one. And notice that it says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition. The adjective there, selfish. Did you know ambition... It's it's really there's nothing wrong with ambition if ambition is directed in the right way. We should have a godly ambition as believers. In other words our motives our goal our drive is to bring honor and glory to God. And the Bible teaches that whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do do all to the glory of God. We should have about us a godly ambition. A godly ambition to win souls for Christ. A godly ambition to disciple people. A godly ambition to bring glory to God in every area of our life. This is talking about a selfish ambition. That is pointing to me. It's pointing to me. Selfish ambition is all about me, not God. To put it even more bluntly, it's selfishness. As one put it, selfish ambition asks this question, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? That's selfish ambition. What's in it for me? And we all struggle. Let's just be honest about it. We all struggle with selfishness at times. We want our way. We, we, we want to be first in line. We want to be first in rank. We want to be first in position. And this happens even in the body of Christ. It happens, sadly, even in the church. We see it here in Philippians. There were those, you know, Paul is writing from Rome. We think he's under house arrest at this time. He's not able to go out and be preaching and there were those who were living with selfish ambition. You're there in chapter 2, verse 3. Back up to chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, we see an example of selfish ambition. Philippians 1, 15 and 16. Paul says, some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. And notice verse 16. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, to realize that we can even preach from selfish ambition. We can teach from selfish ambition. We can minister from selfish ambition. Selfishness can parade around even as a virtue. I read about two men there riding their horses down a country road. They were discussing the question of motivation. And, and one believed that we're capable of pure motives even without Christ. I mean, we're capable of pure motives, even without Christ. And the other rider disagreed. Well, they're, they're riding along, and they came upon a ditch where a pig had gotten tangled up in a fence and was struggling to get free. I mean, it was a pitiful sight, this pig struggling in the mud, stuck in the fence, can't get out. And the latter gentleman, he got down off his horse, he got into the mud, he freed the pig, but in doing so, he ruined his clothes. Well, he got back up on his horse. They start off riding along. And the first man said there, that was a selfless act of kindness. I mean, you got down, you rescued that poor pig, you ruined your clothes. That was a selfless act of kindness. But his friend said, no, it was pure selfishness. It was pure selfishness. The only reason I helped that pig was to save myself from the guilt and torment of worrying about him all day. I did it out of selfishness. I was thinking about myself not the pig. Even our selfless acts can be done from a spirit of selfishness and selfish ambition. Perhaps selfishness was what was driving the problem in the church in Philippi. You're back in chapter two, verse three. This time, go to chapter four, verse two. You find there's a problem in this body of believers. There are two ladies that are not getting along. Their names were Euodia and Syntyche. And in chapter 4, verse 2, it says, Paul writing here, I implore implore Euodia, I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Maybe it was selfishness because that's what drives a lot of our problems in life is selfishness. Selfish ambition is real. It's harmful. Whenever you start living for what's in it for me, watch out. When your motive is what's in it for me, watch out. When you start making decisions based upon what's in it for me, watch out. In fact, selfish ambition is actually listed as a work of the flesh. You know, we have the fruit of the Spirit in the book of Galatians. We also have the works of the flesh in Galatians. And it doesn't keep good company. You can jot this reference down if you want to turn there, you can. But I want to read these verses to you. Galatians 5, verses 19 through 21. And I want you to notice what kind of company selfish ambition keeps. Galatians five nineteen through 21. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. So these are not the fruit of the Spirit. This is the works of the flesh. The works of the flesh are evident, which are, now listen, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, Outburst of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, her, uh, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now that last part there, don't let it scare you. What he means there is not that if you fail in one of those areas from time to time that you've lost your salvation or your loss. We all fail, we all sin. It's talking about a pattern of life. That is your life. This is the way you live. If you live with those sorts of works of the flesh... It shows that you're truly not born again. Because a Christian, when we sin, what happens? The Holy Spirit convicts us and deals with us. And we get miserable. We realize we've sinned. And we've got to say, Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. I I didn't mean to do that. I I, I failed you. I, I sinned. I'm sorry. And we get right back in fellowship with the Lord. But those who live a pattern of sin in their life, and a pattern this way, it says that they will not inherit the kingdom of God. They're not truly born again. And amongst all those things, I and mean, adultery and fornication and drunkenness and sorcery and idolatry is that phrase, selfish ambitions. And yet, that's what we're preached to. That's what we're told. That's what they tell our kids in school. That's what they tell us everywhere. Look out for self. Build up self. It's all about self. And God comes along and says, no, let nothing be done from selfish ambition. Beware of selfish ambition. But there's a second thing to watch out for. And it's conceit. Let nothing be done through conceit. If you have the King James this morning. Your, your version says vain glory. Vain glory. And that's the idea. It's empty pride. It's empty pride. It itself on display. As one noted asked this question. Who notices me? So selfish ambition says, what's in it for me? And conceit says, who notices me? Who looks at me? And in this conceit, I'm motivated by the attention that I receive. It's self-display. I get puffed up with all the admiration and, and all the attention. But, but I'm kind of like a balloon when I'm conceited. A balloon, you know, you can blow up a balloon and you can make, it can be big and, and, and it's shapely and it's beautiful and it's shiny on the outside. It looks like something, but you know what? It's filled with nothing. Just air. It's just air on the inside. It's empty on the inside. It's vain glory. And just one little pin, boom, it's gone. glory, Empty pride. Again, we do all sorts of wonderful things for the wrong reasons. Good things with bad motives. And if we're going to have true joy in our life, and that's what we want, we've got to watch out for these two things. Selfish ambition and conceit these are what we are not supposed to do, but the verse doesn't leave us there. The verse didn't just say don't do that. The verse comes along and says, okay, here's what I want you to do. Here's what you need to be doing. And it brings me to the second directive to have more joy in your life, and it's this, consider others. Consider others. Number one, watch out. Watch out for selfish ambition. Watch out for conceit. Number two, consider others. Look at the verse again. But in lowliness of mind... So we see a contrast. But, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But, in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Others is the key. If you want true joy in your life, you've got to consider others. Let's walk through this part of the verse. It talks about lowliness of mind. That is humility. What is humility? Humility. Well, humility is assessing oneself properly. It's right thinking about yourself. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Drop that reference down if you'd like. Let me read it to you the NLT. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. When it comes to defining humility, I like what Barton and Comfort said. They said, being humble does not mean that we should put ourselves down. That's what some people think. If you're going to be humble, you've got to down yourselves. This doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that you tell everyone how bad we are at everything and refuse to acknowledge any good in ourselves. In fact, that's a false humility parading itself around, "I'm no good." And that's just said so other people say, "Oh, yes, you are. You know that's not true humility. It's not telling people how bad you are at putting yourself down. Humility humility is a healthy respect for God and a healthy respect for ourselves because of what God did on our behalf. They said, we are sinners, saved only by God's grace, but we are saved, therefore we have great worth in God's kingdom. We're to lay aside selfishness and treat others with respect and common courtesy. And so humility is not the idea of you down yourself or deny any good thing about yourself. It's assessing yourself properly. But it's choosing to esteem others better than yourselves. It's looking at yourself in a true light. When it says esteem others better than ourselves, that word esteem, or maybe your translation says regard others better than yourself. One scholar said that regard or esteem is from a verb that means more than just having an opinion. That just means you think it. It refers to a carefully thought out conclusion based on the truth. It does not mean to pretend that others are more important, but to believe that others are actually more important than you. Wow. Can I just tell you, we're not going to get far with this on our own. We're going to have to have the Word of God and the work of God and the Spirit of God working in our lives to bring us to this point. It's not saying, beloved... When we say that we're to esteem others, that you are not important because you are. It's saying that you're to consider, regard others more important. The old little uh, poem puts it so well. Others, Lord, yes, others, let this my motto be. Help me to live for others that I may live like thee. In fact, if you'll go on to chapter 2, the very next verse, verse 4, it says, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interest of others. Now let's be honest about it this morning. This verse is not hard to understand. This verse is just hard to do. We understand what it's saying. Don't be selfish. Don't be conceited and puffed up with empty pride. But instead, consider others better than yourselves. Look out for other people. Focus on others. It's hard to do. In fact, let's just go ahead and say it. Without God's help, I think it's impossible to do. But we're not left to our own resources in this. In fact, you're still in chapter 2. Drop down to verse 13. It says in chapter 2, verse 13, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. That is, the Holy Spirit of God empowers us and helps us to do this, but we must cooperate with Him. We're told here to esteem others. We're told to look out for others. We're told that we have a role to play in this. Humility is not something we can work up in our own strength, but it also cannot be brought about without our cooperation. We have to cooperate with God the Holy Spirit, working in our lives to treat others better than ourselves. Matthew chapter 20, verses 26 through 28. The Lord Jesus says, Yet it shall not be so among you, But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. When you think about the Lord Jesus, he's God. God in the flesh. But when he came, what do we see Jesus doing? He humbles himself. In fact, if you keep reading in chapter 2, you're given an example of this humility. In fact, you're given four in that passage. And the first one, the greatest one, is the example of Jesus. And Jesus humbled himself. He, he gave up some of his divine privileges and rights. He, he became a baby in the womb of a virgin. He went through the processes of humanity. Perfect God and perfect man joined together. He lived in obscurity for quite some time. He lived in poverty. He did all these things. Then he began his public ministry. And what do we see Jesus doing? It was all about doing the Father's will and he was serving others. Ministering to others. Healing others. Pointing others to the Father. Calling others to repentance. Um, What about washing the feet of others? We see that picture there as he washes the disciples' feet. And he tells them here in Matthew 20 that, listen, if you want to be great, be a servant. The way up is down when it comes to Christianity. You you go down in humility in the right time, in the right way. God exalts you, not for your honor and glory, but for his honor and his glory. Ray Pritchard, in a sermon on this, talked about how we can go about our own selfish ways. Talking about the church, he said, we divide into the old timers and the newcomers. The men versus the women, the traditional worship crowd versus the people who like contemporary music, the political activists versus the personal evangelists, and on and on the list goes. And he said, remember, it's not wrong to have opinions and preferences. We're not saying that at all. I'm not even saying it's wrong to take a selfie. I'm just not good at taking selfies. We have tried, and I just look weird and I can't do it. I'm just, I'm hindered in that way. Daniel and I, let's take a selfie together. Well, I can't do it. You take it. I can't do it. I'm not saying it's wrong for you to take selfies. I'm not saying it's wrong for you to have preferences and opinions. I'm not saying it's wrong in any of those regards. What I'm saying this morning is what the Scripture is saying that you have to decide with the Spirit's help. You're going to cooperate with God and you're not going to live in selfish ambition. You're not going to live in pride. You're going to consider others better than yourselves. You're going to focus on others. He says, remember, it's not wrong to have opinions and preferences, but God will not bless you if you decide that you must have your own way at all costs. And that's what he's talking about here. So imagine if we lived these things out in our lives, day in and day out. What would this look like in your life if you lived out Philippians 2-3? If you, if you, with the Lord's help, you let nothing in your life be about selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, you consider others better than yourself. What, what would that look like in your marriage if you live this verse out? As a husband and wife. Because how many marriages are ruined because of selfishness? He wants his way. She wants her way. But imagine if both marriage partners decided... That they're going to consider of the other one better than themselves and set aside selfish ambition and conceit and in lowliness of mind consider the other one better than themselves. But imagine if both of them did that. The husband and the wife. What a powerful, strong, godly marriage they would have. What would this look like in your family life if you put aside selfish ambition and conceit and considered others better? It would change your family reunion, wouldn't it? Maybe a different place if you esteem others better than yourself. What would this look like in your workplace, in your school, on your sports team, if you live this out? Now remember, humility is not putting yourself down. It's not talking bad about yourself. It's not even not doing your best because God wants us to do all those things. But it's just saying, listen, this is not about me. It's not about its selfish ambition. It's not about conceitedness. It's not about empty pride. I'm going to consider others. Better than myself. I'm going to look on the interest of others. What a wonderful, wonderful thing that would be. That wasp found the flowers, by the way. Wasps for let in here, I think, to keep you awake and alert. All right? What would it look like in church if we lived this out? How much selfishness has destroyed bodies of believers? Well, I think it should be this way, and I, I think it should be that way. And we get selfish and conceded. in our church, in our Sunday school classes, in our small groups, in our relationships. Be careful with your eyes. Be careful with your eyes. That, that's good advice with your eyes, right? We're taught early on, hey, don't, don't put your finger in your eyes. Be careful around your eyes. But can I just say it's also good advice when it comes to your life. Whenever life is all about, and you start getting yourself saying, why, well, I, I, I think, an and I... Be careful with your eyes. Let nothing be done with selfish ambition and conceit, but in lowliness of mind, consider others better than ourselves. And imagine them. if everybody acted this way. So you have a body of believers, and everybody has this attitude. Imagine what God could do. Imagine the joy and the the unity and the harmony that would bring if we walked humbly watching out for selfish ambition and conceit instead considering others better than ourselves. But there's a question I want to ask in closing and that is, is there a way to grow in our humility? I mean, there are no classes as far as I know at the community college that you can sign up for that says Humility 101. Well, there might be. Take some advanced math prob- uh, classes and you may find yourself learning humility real quick if, if you're like me. But you know, there's no class. It's just humility one-on-one, right? So is there a way to grow in our humility? As I was looking at this and studying this, Marita and Chan and their commentary on Philippians, they gave a brief list to help cultivate humility. So I want to give you a couple of that they, they gave in there. I've kind of summarized them and condensed them to just um, three to share with you this morning. Ways to grow in your humility. Now, humility is hard, right? Because the moment you think you've got it, you've lost it. So what are some ways we can grow in our humility? Well, first of all, you grow in your humility by reflecting on Christ. Thinking about Christ. If you look in Philippians chapter 2, right after we have the two verses that we've mentioned so far, Philippians 2, 3, and 2, 4, we come to verse 5, and it begins talking about Jesus. It says in that Verse, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And it goes through talking about him in verse 7, making himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men. And it goes down through as he goes to the death of the cross and then is exalted. To grow in our humility, consider, reflect upon Jesus Christ. Look at what he did in his life. Look at what he gave up. Look at how he humbled himself. In addition to reflecting on Christ, we would say prayer is the second way to grow in our humility. If you're going to really pray, you've got to humble yourself. A lot of times we're not really praying. We're just talking or whatever. Prayer is a humbling ourselves. It's a declaration of dependence. It's a humbling ourselves and admitting to the Lord that we do not we don 't know, we, we don't have strength, we need wisdom, we, you know we, we admit our dependence upon him. We humble ourselves, and we come to him, and prayer is not just of course asking, there's that worship, which is a reminder that who we are and who he is. there's a humbling aspect to prayer, and so we 're going to grow in our humility, we reflect upon Christ and his life and his humility and who he is, we reflect. Uh, Upon that, as we go to prayer and remind ourselves that we're needy people. And then here's one that you really can take with you today too. We grow in our humility by serving others. If you want to grow in your humility, serve somebody else. Now listen, don't serve from selfish ambition. Don't serve so you can pat yourself on the back and say, serve someone who can't repay you. Serve someone that nobody even knows about. Do, Do something... I'm not saying don't serve people that that you see, but you know, if you really want to grow, serve someone, give, do something that nobody knows about but you and God. It'll help you to have the pure motives, it'll help you to grow. Serve those, yes, that do see on the outside, but also serve those who cannot repay, serve those who others will not know about. Give up your choice. Let somebody else have the good parking spot. Woo. Let somebody else go first. Let somebody else get in front of you at the grocery store. Serve others. Put others first. That's humbling yourself. Now don't, don't blow your own horn. I'm going to let you go first because I love Jesus. Don't do that. Don't do that. Just let him go. Just let them go. You know, because if we we get our award here, we don't get it there, right? Serve somebody else. William Booth, you probably know the name, you've heard the name, was the founder of the Salvation Army. When he got old, they were having a convocation of the Salvation Army and William Booth could not come. So they said, will you send a word of encouragement? Will you send a word of encouragement? Will you send a telegram? This is way back in the early days. Will you send a telegram that we can read at the entire convocation? The telegram came. It only had one word on it. And it summarizes our message today. The word that William Booth put on that telegram to be read before the entire Salvation Army convocation was this word, Others. 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 Remember the old formula you learned probably years ago in Sunday school or BBS? It was how to have joy. J O Y. You do it this way it's all about Jesus and then others and then you. That's still a good formula. Jesus, then others then you seems like it wouldn't work but it does when you put others before yourself you find great great joy lord help us we are selfish people even when we don't mean to be we just we want our way we think we know what's right we think we should be first forgive us Help us to be about others, serving others, esteeming others, regarding others better than ourselves. Help us to live this lesson out this week. Give us people to serve. Open our eyes and ears. Help us to walk through those doorways of service for your honor and your glory and our good. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In closing this morning, we're going to sing together. Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. And uh, I encourage you to take this message and put it to use this week. Let's stand together and sing.
1: (laughs) Blessed Assurance
0: Thank you for listening today. We trust that our time together was a blessing to you. If you'd like to connect with us, you'll find us on Facebook, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and of course on our website at redhillbaptist.org. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you.